Times bestselling and award-winning author of kick-ass international thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. I'm starting to like this new intro. It's just, you've subtly tweaked it, and it's it's a lot smoother now. It changed two words. I know, but it, it, <laughs> those are the things that you do. You change it slightly, and now it's now it's now it just kind of rolls right off your tongue. You're probably not even reading it. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. She's probably she's probably not even reading it. Wink, wink. No, I've got it memorized. Uh, okay, all right, good, good. Um, for chit chat this week, I want to tell you, Taylor, and our listeners about a new podcast I'm doing that I'm really kind of excited about. Ooh. It's called Ear Crush, and there is there's actually a story behind the name Ear Crush, and it relates to you, Taylor. What? It does. And so it's like ear, the word ear, and crush, like having a crush on someone. Okay. And- oh, I know how. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm a little slow, but I got it. All right. I'll tell, the, I'll tell the story behind it. Then I want to talk for a minute about the podcast. But the name for the podcast, we had the idea. I had the idea for this podcast. I got it listening to another podcast about six months ago. They were talking about something that Audible was doing where they were doing audio-first audiobooks or audio-only audiobooks in some cases. And I thought, wow, you know, what a great idea. Uh, There are all these short stories out there that are never going to get turned into audiobooks, and wouldn't it be great to have some of them professionally narrated and have that be a podcast? So every week people could tune in and, and hear a great story or, you know, part of a great story that that might take three episodes to get through. So I pitched the idea to someone and said, yeah, let's, let's do that. And so I was in a Slack group talking with our narrators about it. And we were also going to be meeting up in New York. And have a, we were having a dinner for some of the narrators. And one of our narrators came to us from Hillary Huber, who, does your, who narrates your books. And I had never met Hillary. And I said to this person, If you see Hillary at any event and I'm around, please introduce us because I have an ear crush on her. And someone said that should be the name of the podcast. And so that's that's how the podcast name came to be. That's awesome. So anyway, the podcast is basically it's like two, three minutes of chit chat with either the author of the story or the narrator of the story. And then the story and then like a couple of minutes of close and that's it. So How if long you're, they run? Uh, 20, 30 minutes. Very cool. Yes. So the first one is, uh, is a short story that was written. It was two chapters, and each cha- the first chapter was 20 minutes. The second chapter was 30 minutes. And so we broke it right, right at the chapters. So episode, episode zero was talking about the story behind the, the podcast, why we're doing it, but there was no story. And then episode one was chapter one. And episode two is chapter two, and now we're queuing up things um, for for future for future podcasts, and so it's it's really kind of exciting, and it's sort of audio is growing so dramatically. Uh, when I was in New York, I was at a Book Expo and the Audio Publishers Association annual conference, and it it's just it's growing like crazy, and a lot of authors know that. But there are a lot of unique things that people are doing now in, in incorporating podcasts as a way of marketing both their books, like 
and to a certain extent, the way the reason we started uh, the Taylor Stevens show was to help market uh, one of your books or all of your books. So long ago. So long ago. And so everything is just kind of merging together now podcasts and audiobooks and uh, voice controlled speakers in your home that I know you don't have because you're such a security. I'm not going to use the word nut. Oh, hey, I'm going to, that's going to play into a plot in one of okay. the future books. The Internet of Things, that is a great way to get yourself hacked. And I could just so see one of my characters utilizing that. Keep your ears posted for Monroe <laughs> number six. <laughs> but <laughs> I, on the other part of the plot. <laughs> I, on the other hand, could not get through the day without. Um, my Amazon Echo, who shall go unnamed because she'll respond if I, if I use her name, <laughs> helping me to get through the day. This actually ties in not to our show this week, but it ties into a question, a listener question that we got uh, that came just uh, a day or so ago. So, Taylor, you want to read that question? All right. This is from Jessica. She asks, what do you think about authors going directly to audiobooks and bypassing traditional publishing? I read in the New York Times that it's a growing trend, but I wonder what you think about the pluses and minuses. Thanks. Love, love your show. And thank you, Jessica, for sending in a question because we love questions. And my answer to this is the same thing that would be if somebody asked me, should I traditionally publish or self uh, go indie or big press or small press? And it is always what are your goals? What does success mean to you? What What's your personal makeup as far as how much of the workload you're willing or able to take on? And if it's right for you and, and you think it fits in with your plans, go for it. Like Steve was saying, audio is getting bigger and bigger right now. And there, I mean, personally, I couldn't skip book and go directly to audio without the book because then there's nothing for me to write. So it sort of doesn't make sense to write a book and then never actually publish the ebook as well as the audio. At least to me, it wouldn't. But if that's what someone wants to do, then go for it. But either way, um, bypassing traditional publishing, going directly to audio or ebook and audio. Audio is a great opportunity and there are lots of really good professional audio narrators who are willing to go in with you on it on a um, percentage split if you don't want to front the money. There are people out there who know how to get audio professionally produced. Um, then there are authors who read it themselves and do their own audio books. So you're to me, it would just be, is this a product that's going to meet expectations, both for story and for sound quality? And if you can answer yes to both those questions, and it fits within your idea of your goals and what success means to you, go for it. All right. And I have a slightly different answer. Uh, my answer would be, I think I know what you're talking about, although I did not read the article. There have been a few high-profile authors who are releasing audio first or, in some, in some cases, audio only. Okay. Uh, but that's with a big advance from an audio production company. And so they're not taking a risk to do this. Uh, for an indie author, and it sounds like Jessica might be an indie author, 
for an indie author, you sell a lot of audiobooks by having that discounted audiobook option when you buy when readers buy the ebook. So you get that thing where you buy the ebook for three ninety nine and then the little thing pops up to the right that says, Do you want to add professional narration to this for $7.49. And very often you'll say, yes, it's only $7.49 more. Yes, I want to do that. You'll wind up selling a lot of audiobooks that way. Uh, When I was in New York at the conference, there was a lot of growth that was shown across all phases of audiobooks except for audio first. And that actually dropped over the course of the last year from like 4% to 1.5%. Did they have any explanation for the drop? Was it lack of exposure or lack of interest? In fact, the person who did the study, and this is a big survey company that did this, and he he does the study and presents it every year. He he found it as uh, an anomaly. He, He didn't know whether to believe that number. Okay. Um, but it was telling because every other number was every other number was jumping. So it could be that there were a lot of people that were trying it a couple of years ago, and and now some bigger names are trying it because they're able to get the audiobook out in front of people and and in effect guarantee sales for it. So I didn't read this article, but. What are they planning to do? Is there never going to be a text version? It's just audio only? Or did they do audio first in the same way that lots of movies will go overseas first and then eventually, and then they release here in the United States? I I tried to look up the article while you were talking about it, and I couldn't find it. I I do know of certain situations where it's, it's only audio. They're only doing an audio version of it, and that is it. There's not going to be a book book. I mean, of I, I'm a I'm a very visual person. I don't like listening to audiobooks because it just doesn't work for me in the same way. If I was a fan of an author and they put out audio only, I'd be angry. I would feel betrayed by that author. That's and a, I'd probably be mad enough to never want to read one of their things again because I was like, that's mean. Why would you do that? Interesting. And this would not be like part – this is not part of a series or anything like that. It, it's, it is like an experimental thing. And, and you've seen this uh, similar experimental things where very popular traditionally published authors will do a book with Amazon Publishing or something like that. Right. Uh, to experiment a in a way. It's still a well, in some cases, uh, Patricia Cornwell, I think if I'm getting this right, I might, I might have it wrong, but she was – she did a, a – one or two book series with them where they were experimenting with uh, some sort of e-ink images that were changing in the book. So you would flip to the first chapter and there would be like a moving image there before the before it started. So it was sort of an experiment. It was kind of cool, kind of weird. Um, but I think people are trying that uh, with one-offs. And obviously, e-books have, have proven to be pretty successful and audio is exploding, so there, I think people are just trying new things to see what might catch. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember when I very first got into, started getting into publishing, like, I think it was my first Thriller Fest, I ended up talking to this guy who, and I had no frame of reference at the time, so there was nothing for me to go, ooh, wow, about, because I had no, he could have been speaking about a bazillion dollars or one dollar, it, it would have made no difference to me because I didn't know. Um, and he was talking about how this book that he 
had written was going to be done in ebook and it was going to be sort of interactive and it would have little video clips that came in it and mm -hmm. it had like a hundred thousand dollar budget and all this kind of stuff which to me was like okay whatever but i remember thinking at the time why would you do that like it might be it, to me it felt so gimmicky like people when they want to read a book they want to read a book they don't need all these little cool little cool gadgets and, and side things are just distractions or they're like, oh, that's cool. But it's not going to make people go, oh, my God, I have to have that book. The thing that's going to make people go, oh, my God, I have to have that book is that it's a story that everybody's talking about, not because it has gimmicks in it. Now, that's just me. And I'm kind of old school. And it could be that, you know, with the younger generation, they're like, oh, that old lady, what is she talking about? That would be so awesome. I'd totally buy a book just for that thing. But ultimately, writing is storytelling. So just tell the darn story. Just make it a really good story, and you don't need all these little gimmicks to go along with it. But hey, I'm not the million-dollar best-selling author, so you know, take that with a grain of salt. But with that being said, today's gimmick is tomorrow's regular thing, and you just yeah. you have to wade through 27 gimmicks to get to the regular thing, like. I remember when Netflix started streaming going, this is the stupidest idea I've ever heard in my life because there's, people are never going to have enough bandwidth to their house to be able to stream movies in a way that they're not going to hate. And now, you know, I have, as usual, <laughs> proven to be right. completely wrong. But you know what the, the, the new gimmick is, Steve, right now with books? Hardcover no. books, paper books. Like, there's big comeback with people... Abandoning, not, not all people, obviously, but for a while there, paper sales were just plummeting. And now there are some um, small publishers that all their growth is in physical copies. So it, it's like maybe, maybe the digital generation is like, Oh, cool! Did did you did have you ever seen one of these? It's a paper book. <laughs> you know? like, this is amazing. I heard, heard this story the other day of someone their their kids were coming home and they were like trying to show them like vinyl. Okay, here's our we, we bought a record player, but you know this is how it works. And and they're just like seriously, guys, this is what we had when I was a kid. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I, you were talking about the, the person you were talking with at Thriller Fest several years ago, and I think we probably all heard the stories like that, where this is what the next version of the book is going to be, and they all just sort of fall flat. What seems to work is a version of the book that's just like the existing version of the book, like taking something that looks like a book and making it digital so that you can read it on anything – that's worked out pretty well because it's still just the book. It's There's nothing book. else it's there. A, it's a story in word form. Yes. And that, for and me, pictures and images distract from the story. I, I got the book that I was talking about because I wanted to see how it worked. And once I saw it, it's like, oh, yeah, that's kind of cool. It didn't really distract. I could see how it could add because it's one little image um, right at the start of a chapter. You know where I could see that really paying off, that, that technology, is in a murder mystery or some kind of puzzle-solving mystery, if the clue is laid out in a moving image, and it only makes sense as you start to solve the puzzle of the story, mm -hmm. the, the mystery. Mm -hmm. 
when when clues are dropped in those pictures, I could see that being incredibly uh, popular because people love to beat the author. They love to, I figured that out in chapter three, right? Um, so to create a story that actually utilizes that ability for its strength, oh my God, that would be amazing. Yes, that, that, would, be, that would be interesting and really hard to do. Really hard. You have to be brilliant to come up with something like that. Well, let, let's dig into audiobooks a little bit more because we had a topic for, for this show, but we've, we've gone on so long that, that we'll just save it for another show. But I, the, the idea of audiobooks and the value of audiobooks uh, in, in an author's portfolio now has changed a lot over the course of the last four or five years, six or seven years. Um, in, in for you... I know we've talked about this before, and I don't remember the exact details. You sell the audio rights, right, when you're traditionally published? They, they are part of what is just sort of like the, a, a bag of rights that get sold that are just automatically lumped in. Nobody negotiates them separately. It's just like, here are the standard terms, and I don't think anybody's going to do a – just like ebooks, They're not going to do – unless you're a major, huge bestseller and you've already done really well in ebooks, but you haven't had the – physical copy, they might do a contract that just takes the physical copy. But if it's not that type of scenario, you're not selling your rights to the story without lumping in ebooks okay. and right. audio and whatnot. So does then each audiobook sale go towards earning out the contract? Well with the with the ebook sales and the print sales? I only have the experience of my prior publisher to go on because I haven't gotten that far with the publisher I'm with now. The way that I understand that it works is that even publishers don't produce their own audiobooks. So they're going to sell those as subrights to one that does. So Random House was the parent of Crown, who was my previous publisher. And Random House Books was its own entity, or Random House Audio. I don't remember exactly what it was called. So Random House Audio had to actually decide that it wanted to take a, a title. It wasn't automatic that they were going to do it. And they, I, I believe they also took titles that did not come out of the Penguin Random House family. Mm -hmm. So in that case, though, because it was part of the family... Um, it just automatic. It, it, there were no um, separate sales rights, subrights to it, and it automatically showed up. Each sale was counted for on the same royalty sheet, and it did go against the the author's advance. I have no idea how it's going to work with the second publisher, so we can come back and revisit the topic in a year and see how it went. Do you have any sense? And if you do, are you comfortable saying uh, what percentage of, let's say, the last book uh, came from audio? You know, I haven't looked at those numbers for quite some time. But I, at the last time that I looked, I don't think audio was over 15%. But it's been quite some time since I've looked in it. And 
I haven't had a book come out in, what is it, like three years now. And the audio world has changed a lot in the last three years. So I don't know that my previous numbers are really a good reflection on, you know, the state of things. I interviewed someone uh, a little over a year ago who was an audiobook narrator and she also knew a lot about marketing audiobooks. And, and marketing audiobooks is, is sort of a, a black hole right now. There's, there's not a lot that's well known about how to increase sales of audiobooks versus print books or ebooks. There, there are very specific ways of, of generating sales for them, but not so much for audiobooks. And one of the things that she said was that you could, as an indie author, assume that you would sell one copy of your audiobook for every 10 copies of your ebook and okay. to use that as a, as a way of cost justifying whether or not you could cost justify um the production of of the audiobook which which could right. cost That's thousands really- of dollars yeah and in my own experience now, and, and I've done like 110 audiobooks now, it, it really kind of ranges from 5% to like 12%. Like if, if 12% really is really fantastic, but there are some people I know that write really long, like epic fantasy type books uh, where audio, they generate more money from audio than they do from book royalties. That's really interesting. Which is stunning to me. to me, yeah. And I would I would be really fascinated to understand the dynamics of why it is that some like obviously you're not I would imagine that much like with ebooks, children's books probably just sell almost nothing in audio. Because really audio is for those who are um long haul listeners in a way. You know, like they it, it, it's for biographies. I bet nonfiction is amazing in audio. Um, certain forms of nonfiction. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to fiction, I'd be really interested as to why some genres would sell far better than other genres. Like, let's take romance, for example, right? Romance is like one of the best selling uh, ebook genres around there. People who consume romance just consume it in vast quantities. They're very loyal readers. Would romance in an audio format, fill the same, um, I want to say emotional need, but that's not, because we're talking about romance, that could be misinterpreted. But, but we, we read to feel. I mean, that, that's why we read, is to feel. So all, all books are filling this emotional component of entertainment and enjoyment and vicarious living and whatnot. So I just really don't want that to be misconstrued. But I'm wondering if, an, when people read romance, if some of it is just being able to cozy up with a book or escape into the book that you're holding in your hands and that by having a narrator's voice in your head, if that would intrude upon that in a way that it wouldn't for these epic fantasies. And maybe epic fantasies work so well because they are, uh, they're epic, they're character-driven, they're long, they're, they're historical, they're bi- biographical, all of these things. And, and maybe for thrillers, for example... I know thrillers are popular on, on audio, but the downside is that you have to really, really, really pay attention with some thrillers or you get lost. Uh, 
and that might actually be a downside to thrillers in audio. And so, and, and just thinking about the psychological components and the emotional components that go into why we read or listen to what we listen to, would that affect why some genres would be more popular in audio versus ebook or even physical copies? I think one reason that the epic fantasies, you hit on it, but you, you hit on it very briefly. You said they're long. And in, in the world where if you subscribe to Audible, you get credits. You don't, oh. Most people don't buy the audiobook. So a long audiobook might be $35, but it's yeah. still one credit. So yeah, that so same you're a very good exchange for your value. Yes, so, the longer the book, the more expensive the book, rather, the better value you are getting for your audio credit. Yes, I think that's one of the reasons that those books do so well. But as you said, thrillers also do well. And thrillers, a typical thriller is eight to ten hours as an audio book. So that's and a, one of these epic fantasy books could be 40 hours. Yes. And wow. I, I can't even imagine listening to a book that long. But if you're if you spend a lot of time on the road, for example, um, yeah. Look, I know I some of our listeners are big audio because you're on the road a lot. People who travel. So you guys, the ones of you who are the long haul listeners, um, retirement, you're in your you know snowbirds who are making that long trek up and down. We want to hear from you because you have a unique perspective on this. I'd also like to, to hear from people who listen to audiobooks nearly exclusively of, you know, why you choose what you choose when you listen to audiobooks. I, I have to factor in, too, genre preferences. You know, maybe somebody who's on the road eight hours a day just really doesn't care for epic fantasy. So that's going to kind of skew the results a little bit. So we need to know what your genres are for us to understand why you listen to, you know, if you do both, if you listen and you read, why do you choose one or the of, over the other? This is not a, you know, statistical survey or anything. It's just because I like to know. I like to know why people do what they do, and you guys can help fill my curiosity. Taylor, have you ever been to a Cracker Barrel? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. See, I didn't, I didn't know. Have you noticed that they have audiobooks in Cracker Barrels? Well, actually... My agent told me about this right after the information is got sold. And she told me at that time, she told me at that time, if authors got picked up by Cracker Barrel, they had it made. Because of all the snowbirds and the retirees who would, you could, it's, they sort of operate like a red box. Yes, Where you can exactly. rent, your, rent your audio CDs at one and then drop them off, you know, 500 miles down the road. It's brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, but that's how I learned about it. So, yes, I did know about that, thanks to my agent. Okay, because I, I thought, I don't know if you're a, a Cracker Barrel kind of a gal. I love their food. <laughs> <laughs> I do, too, and we have one that's about seven miles from us that we visit regularly, and we pretend we're on a road trip when we go there. <laughs> so this was all about audiobooks, audio podcasts Thanks, and audiobooks. Yes, thank you, Jessica. We had no idea that this was going to uh, be the whole show. <laughs> and let me wrap up by asking you to check out Ear Crush. I think you'll like it. Most of the stuff that we're going to have on there is science fiction and fantasy. may not be your thing, but I would love it if you would just give it a try. And if you like it, rate it, review it. You know the drill. So, but also, if it's not your thing, like if that's just not your genre, you might know somebody who would like it. 
And that's one of the best ways that you can support shows like this or Steve's shows is tell a friend. You know, we need the growth. The, the more listeners we have and the more reviews we get, the easier it is for other people to find us. And everybody in this world right now is asking you to, to do take some sort of action. Buy this, spend this, rate this, you know, click this link or whatever. So I know you're already inundated and this is like the last priority. But when you're having conversations with friends and subject of books comes up, remember us. Point them our way. <laughs> yes, thank you. And... We will be back again next Tuesday, and I promise we're going to be talking about writing, not audiobooks, next Tuesday. Uh, let's see if he can keep that promise. 